you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier, connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. It's Wednesday, April 5th, and you're listening to NFL Total Access. The podcast! Those are the voices of today's special guests. Voice number one is the pride of the Falcons. No, not the Atlanta Falcons, the Christian Brothers Falcons in Sacramento, California. Did you know that? (laughs) He is the pride of the Aztecs, the San Diego State Aztecs. We have to ask him about the game. Yes, we will. He's the pride of the Orange, the Syracuse Orange. He's the host, the reporter, the anchor. He's a podcast debutante. He's the big O, Omar Ruiz. Welcome to the pod, good sir. Thank you, Andrew. Good to be here. Good to be with my guy, No, don't give it away. Voice number two is my fellow Virginian, the pride of the Nittany Lions, the pride of the Niners, the pride of the Seahawks. He's the champ at the table, the Super Bowl champ, the 100th overall pick in the draft. He's the real Mike Robb, Michael Robinson. Welcome back. Thank you, man. You need to walk around with me in my pocket and I just announce <laughs> when I walk in a room. I, I like that, that introduction. Yeah, that makes you feel good. On today's show, clarity from the Ravens front office about Lamar Jackson. Wait for a beat. The answer is no, but we'll try to provide some ourselves. We will also ask the question, who is rising and who is falling on Daniel Jeremiah's new top 50 prospects list? We heard that there was a throwing session between one Trevor Lawrence and Calvin Ridley. That begs a question about the Jags. And Chase Young from my Washington Commanders. Would you pay him? Should you pay him? Will Ron Rivera and the Commanders pay him? A more interesting question than I would have thought. And we're going to address a few AFC West team needs in the draft. That's Chiefs, that's Broncos, that's Chargers, that's Raiders. If you don't know that, you're listening to the wrong show. Plus, TikTok, we're on the clock. Our countdown to the draft continues. We're going team by team in the NFL based on order of finish in 2022. We started with the Chiefs, the Champs. We will finish with the Bears. Today, we're in D.C., the nation's capital, for a closer look at the Washington Commanders. We'll get to that in a moment. But first, this. So I understand those questions. I think we've spoken about this situation probably five different times this spring in various different 
press conferences and such. So we're going to try to just kind of defer to those questions and move forward to the draft. With respect to the, this being about the draft and everything, just with the Lamar stuff that's going on, hey guys, are you, guys, are you all that. looking at quarterbacks? Out, out, out. If you can, this is about the draft. Just move off the, the about the draft. Are you looking at quarterbacks differently because of the situation that's going on? Yeah, you know, I don't think we really are. I mean, we go into every draft trying to take any kind of bias out, any kind of need-based situation out of the draft equation. We really do try to build a board that's really best player available. Eric DaCosta spoke to the press today and at long last answered questions about Lamar Jackson. No, absolutely not. He's tired of answering questions about Lamar Jackson, said that he's done it four or five times already, wasn't ready to answer the questions again. I understand the need to ask those kinds of questions, Eric said. I think just out of respect for the process, this is a draft luncheon, and we're going to try to keep as much of this discussion as we can to the draft to the coming weeks, building the best football team we can. I want to start with the debutante, with Omar Ruiz. Is the best football team that Eric DaCosta, Steve Bashotti, and John Harbaugh can put together is the best version of the Ravens? Does it have to include Lamar Jackson? Of course it does. He's a former MVP that's about to hit his prime. Those kind of players don't grow on tree. They, you see how organizations move mountains trying to trade three or four first-round picks to acquire a talent like a Lamar Jackson, and they have him in their organization right now. So, of course, they're going to continue to speak highly of Lamar Jackson. They're going to continue to try to get a deal done. And so not surprising, they're not going to say anything, I think, at this point that could be perceived as a slight to Lamar. They want to try to keep things positive as they continue to work on a long-term negotiation, which is a necessity for the benefit and the best version of the Baltimore Ravens. Michael Robinson, the person who has been cast in the role of saying nice things about Lamar Jackson has been all along during this process, John Harbaugh, who continues to say re most recently at the NFL annual league meeting that he loves Lamar, he loves coaching him, he loves the man himself. However, I would actually modify what Omar has just told us because Eric DaCosta, when asked moments later again about Lamar, specifically about his draft interests and concerns said, quote, I think the things that we control really are getting the list, the draft board set, evaluating the players as best as possible, being aware of the players, the free agents who are available now and post-draft who are the players that we might have a chance to bring in post-draft that can make us a better football team as well. When asked about quarterback prospects, Mike Rob, you heard what he said. He said that there are four or five guys that have made their list of 31 I guess, guys that are on their war room list. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Doesn't actually, if you look closely at it, sound like somebody saying nice things about Lamar Jackson. You characterized it earlier as taking a shot at Lamar. Please explain. Well, I believe it is a shot. I, I really do. I mean, I, okay, let's say if this was a Kansas City Chiefs or Buffalo Bills or Cincinnati Bengals draft lunching and those coaches, you know, Andy Reid and company were asked those same questions. It would have been a, a laugh probably <laughs> and a, gosh, you know who our, you know who our guy is. That's when everything is like happy. That's when everybody knows what's going on. And to me, 
you know, Eric DaCosta, he's been around long enough. He's been in this business. He understands things. He understands how he answered that question, and he know he could have chosen a different way to answer it. He could have chosen the, the, the Coach Harbaugh way and just loved Lamar up and say he's going to be the quarterback here as long as we can make this thing happen. There's ways he could have said it with still loving up Lamar, but he made a conscious decision to answer it that way and include the quarterbacks in the draft that's going to be on their draft. Well, he knew we would come away from that and say, <laughs> oh, man, what's going on? So that's why I think it was a subtle shot. You know what I mean? I don't like to use, you know, Cold War and wars and stuff like that, but that's what this is in negotiation, mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, you know, they, they use the power of the press to get their message out there. He knows Lamar's a younger guy. He's going to be on Twitter and seeing things. Lamar said his shot. And yes, did he, did. he did. He did it right before ago. John Harbaugh sat down and, loved and fielded him up. questions about him. <laughs> and and loved John Harbaugh him loved him up. You were raising your hand. Yeah, it reminds me of last year's quarterback negotiation of the offseason, Kyler Murray, mm -hmm. when his agent wrote a letter to yes. the fans yes. right before Steve Kime was going to take the microphone at the Combine, the former general manager. Playing and then obviously the this year, Lamar Jackson <laughs> tweets to the fans right before Harbaugh was going to take to the microphones at the NFL annual meeting last week. So, yeah, it's a give and take. It's a process of it negotiation. Is. I will say this about DaCosta and per a subtle shot. Right now, Lamar Jackson hasn't signed that franchise tag. So if he decided to hold out, they have to have a yes. plan B. Right? So they have to do yes, their due diligence if he doesn't sign the, the franchise tag and not show up. And again, to, like, to me, Eric DaCosta knows that the, you know, the, 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 the collective football world knows that basic fact. But he still chose to answer it that way. So to me, that's, that's where the strategy comes in, in, and I think that's what they're doing. They're I think you're absolutely stories. right. He did not feel like a laurel wreath. It felt like a warning shot. Yeah. We always come to this word at this time of the year, especially when we're talking about contract negotiations. It becomes a game of leverage. Who has it, who doesn't, who's willing to apply it, and who can't. Michael Robinson, who has the ultimate leverage in this situation? Maybe it's the same for all situations. Is it the player or is it the team? I mean, to me, it's going to always be the team. And I think it's a hard, that's a hard pill for me as a former player and as the, you know, talking as a player. It's a hard pill for the player to swallow because, you know, all through our career, football is merit-based just like the other animal kingdoms out there, right? <laughs> if I do, you know, if I run fast, if I do this, I do that, I get rewarded for it. And in business, it's not always like that. It's about getting cheap labor. And so, to me, that's where everything kind of, you know, that's where, it can get, that's where it can get a little bit ugly. So, yeah, man, I, they need... They need Lamar Jackson, but at the end of the day, ultimately, as long as they're writing checks, they'll be able to find another guy to play quarterback. Michael Robinson has answered this question before, so Omar, today it falls to you to answer the question. I wouldn't be surprised if the 2023 Baltimore Ravens did what? Did have a name other than Lamar Jackson. I think at the end of the day, it'll work out. Lamar Jackson will be a Raven in 2023, and... This is all part of the process. They'll work it out before the season begins. If Omar is right, and I genuinely hope that you are right, how far can this team go with him this season? The way that they have or maybe haven't built around him to reach the goals that he and the organization claim to have. If Lamar can come in and digest the system, um, Todd Monken, yes. right? the mm -hmm. office coordinator, new office coordinator, who is a real pass game coordinator.
He's not like Greg Roman, and this is really no big shot to Greg Roman, but he was a former tight end coach. He understands the run game. He's not a big-time passing game coordinator. I think that's what everybody knows in the National Football League. So, to me, the Baltimore Ravens hadn't done justice to Lamar in that regard. If Lamar can get in there, digest the offense, which I, I agree with you guys, I think he will be a Raven this year. Now, will he play? I don't know. Notice how I'm working. Yes, I certainly mm, am. Be a and listen, there's a, there's a mischievous sort of yeah. you know, hand-in-the-cookie-jar yeah. look on well, Michael Robinson's I, face right because now. Because last year, I think if Lamar was paid, he would have played last year. I think, that was, I think that was a business decision he was making. So I do think you don't throw away $32 million. You come and you sign it. But, ah, you know... This hamstring or mm. my, my, my PCL that I have, mm. you know, is still not quite right. You know, maybe if my money was right, it would get right. You know, I think it's going to be one of those situations. And um, I'll say this. This is the beginning of the end of this relationship. Mm. I do think after 2023, from a contract standpoint, for whatever, Lamar be in a whole nother city. I do think this is like the beginning of the end Translation listener, and I find it a fascinating one. Omar Ruiz says, yes, Lamar Jackson, the great eight, will be wearing a Ravens uniform in 2023. Michael Robinson agrees, but just warns us he may not be on the field. Next subject, risers and fallers in Daniel Jeremiah, our draft experts, recent, most recent top 50 list. Gentlemen, I want to read the names of five risers, the biggest risers as we see it numerically. And I want you to tell me which name jumps off the page and why. Ohio State University wide receiver Jackson Smith in Jigba. Maryland Terrapin cornerback Deontay Banks. Mississippi State cornerback Emmanuel Forbes. LSU edge rusher B.J. Ojolari. And, of course, Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker. Guys, those are the biggest risers from D.J.'s last top 50 list to this one. Omar, give me a name that jumps off the list for you. Hendon Hooker. Hendon right Hooker. there, going from 49 to 44. I was at his pro day last week, talked to a high-level evaluator there who said that Hendon Hooker, probably because of the torn ACL that he's coming back from, looking like a developmental quarterback his rookie year especially, so he'd go into a situation without much pressure on him. Mm-hmm. If he goes in the first round, it'll be late, where teams that are typically good draft, so he'd be going into a good situation. I think if he didn't have... His knee injury, the 58 touchdowns to five interceptions in his career at Tennessee, the big drive against Alabama, the electrifying play. We'd be talking about him in the top five of this draft. He has all the intangibles, all the leadership. He checks all those boxes. I think he's a special player. And he has played a great number of games of significance against top-level competition. Before getting to you, Michael, I'm so sorry to cut you off, but – I appreciate the fact that you are deferential and polite, and you talked about the talent evaluator that you spoke to at the Tennessee Pro Day, but I'm not interested in your deference. I'm interested in your perspective. You were there. You saw the man throw. Give us the scouting report. What did Omar Ruiz see from Hendon Hooker? <laughs> he looked fine. He wasn't walking with a limp. Fine is not getting me, uh, getting me excited in the first round. Because he didn't work out. Fair enough. He didn't participate in the Pro Day. But he did walk around without crutches or anything like that, like he hasn't in a while. Yes, sir. And even though he wasn't participating, he did make a point to grab the football and play a little catch just to show scouts that he can step into a throw, he can play a little catch. He is further along than people would think 
for a guy who tore his ACL in November. I stepped into my own trap there because I forgot you're absolutely right that he didn't participate. <laughs> but I do appreciate the reminder that this is where we are in his rehab. He is still surprising people that he's off crutches, as nice as that is for him and his agent and his family and his future prospects. Doesn't do him a whole hell of a lot of help come April 27th, the first round of the draft. Give me the name that jumped off that list to you, Michael. Is it the same or is it someone else? Well, first of all, the hen and hooker part, I just wanted to say that for a second. Like, the 58 and 5, like, that's a big deal. That translates, right? That translates to having success in the National Football League. Um, I like his footwork. I like his release. I like all of those things. And to your point, if he wasn't hurt, I I think we'd be having a a, a totally different conversation about the top um, of the draft. And he's older. He's like 25, right? He is. 24, 25 yep. years old. And to me, that says something. That says the kid has a little perspective. He's a little bit more mature. He can handle certain situations a little bit better than the, the 20, 21-year-old top overall pick. You know what I'm saying? Walking into a situation with all that type of oppression. Brian Baldinger, our friend and colleague, who probably watches more NFL film, more college film than anybody in the world, maybe except for a couple of handful of guys at uh, NFL Films, he believes that Hendon Hooker is, wait for it, listener, the best quarterback in this wow. draft class. And for him, it's not even close. Yeah, I, I mean, without the injury, wherever, like if I could have seen him throw at the combine, I would have been right there with Baldy because on tape, he has everything. He can run the football. He's athletic. He can move in the pocket. He can throw from all the arm angles. He has enough strength to throw the ball outside the numbers from the opposite hash. I mean, all of those things. I mean, so... Yeah, Baldy's a guy that I respect his knowledge and all of that, man. That's uh, that's saying a lot. Just anecdotally speaking, it kind of reminds me of Deshaun Watson in 2017 when he was coming out of Clemson. You watch those Clemson games and him going up against Alabama and throwing up 450 mm-hmm. yards and five touchdowns or whatever, all that craziness. You watch that guy play, like, this guy is amazing. How he wasn't the consensus number one. You had Mitch Trubisky going in front of him. <laughs> How on earth that happened? I don't know, but it reminds me of that with Hendon Hooker. You watch him play, like you said, the tape and everything. He just jumps off. And if it weren't for that injury, I think we're having a different conversation. I think the Mitch Trubisky example is a good one because what did we, in retrospect, look back and say about Mitch Trubisky? We only watched him, what, 12 games at UNC? We hadn't seen enough, but we were trusting in a couple of outings, a combine, a pro day. We fell in love with the wrong girl. We fell in love with the wrong prospect. And this guy has tape for days. And when you see a guy with tape for days, like a, like a Brock Purdy, who played four years. Yes, it was Iowa State. It wasn't in the SEC, but he put a lot of film on tape. And he put a lot of field under his feet. He put a lot of situational football in his brain. And we see what that does for a young man, even in his first year in the NFL. Let's talk about fallers in DJ's top 50. Jordan Addison, the much ballyhooed wide receiver out of USC, a little bit of a fall from what, 9 to 13, falls out of the top 10, Joey Porter Jr. A lot of people are in love with Joey Porter Jr., your fellow Nittany Lion. Yeah, that messed me up. He takes a little bit of a fall. Miles Murphy, a lot of people see him as a top 10 edge rusher out of Clemson. He takes a fall. So does Jalen Hyatt, the Tennessee Hendon Hooker's target in Tennessee, that wide receiver there, and Keely Ringo, the cornerback out of Georgia, how could any how could any Georgia player take a fall? This is this is outrageous. Uh, Michael, I'll start with you on this one. 
Are you worried specifically? Is it Joey Porter who jumps off yeah, the page for you? Yeah, it's Joey Porter for me. I mean, and I, yeah, I'm a little biased, guys. I'm just a little bit. I went to Penn State, the hey, greatest university of, of ever. Fly okay. the flag. <laughs> but at the end of the day, when I just look at how defensive backs, the successful defensive backs in the National Football League, what do they look like? What are their attributes? They're bigger. They're longer. Um, they run a sub 4-5 or around a 4-5, and they don't give up the big play. That's Joey Porter Jr. And then, and then on top of that, he has the pedigree, man. I mean, his pops played in this league. I remember his pops knocking me on my behind in Miami uh, years ago. You know what I'm saying? It didn't help him. It didn't have the wherewithal to help me up off the ground. I hated that, but that's a whole other story. Uh, but he has all, to me, he has all the tools to be successful. And maybe, maybe, you know, there are teams that are putting out some bad juju or whatever so that he can fall right to them. You know, we're around that time where people put out smoke signals and things like that. So Yeah, that's right. This is political as much as it is oh, anything else, right? These yes. are chess pieces, including all of the all the bulletins that get out, all the oh, stuff that leaks yeah. out. That's a chess piece, too. Oh, man, all of that stuff. Just here, ask man. Bill Belichick about chess pieces. How do you feel, Mac Jones? How do you feel about your, how do you feel about your job right now? Any of these names jumping off the, the board for you? Yeah, Jalen Hyatt, again, another mm-hmm. Tennessee prospect I saw last week, and I thought he had a fine pro day workout but here's the thing that may have played a role in scouts minds and perhaps reflective mm-hmm. by dj's list he was working out next to cedric tillman cedric tillman son of a former nfl player six three two fifteen was the number one receiver going into last season for tennessee before he got hurt slowed his 2022 season an ankle injury and of course jalen hyatt shined oh. stepped up became the blitnikoff award winner but when those two guys were working out and side by side catching footballs at the pro day It was Cedric Tillman, his impressive physicality, the way he caught the ball with ease, tracked it on the deep ball. He was an impressive player. And so when he was going right up against Jalen Hyatt, to me, he jumped out a lot more than Jalen did. And that's why the combine is so important, man. Like, you want to see these guys right next to each other working out, man. So, yeah. As somebody who went 100th in the draft, Mm -hmm. but was the fifth-place finisher in the Heisman voting, let's not forget that, listener. Michael Robinson was one of the most electric collegiate players I've ever seen as that hybrid, not a hybrid, you were a quarterback, but you call yourself a runner with throwing ability. And you make the distinction very clear that there are throwers with running ability and runners with throwing ability. You consider yourself the latter, but you fell, let's call it, to 100 considering the heights that you hit in college. Can it be a good thing for a player? Maybe it hurts on the day, but a lot of times falling in the draft means you're falling to a team that may be more ready to win now. It's just the, that's just the business of everything. I always tell people, don't worry about where you get drafted, man. You're going to see more money than you ever seen. Don't worry about it, okay? You're still going to go to where you need to go to. Just make sure when you walk on the white lines, you're prepared to do the things you got to do to, to make sure you get the bag. That's really... I mean, I mean, literally, that's really what it's all about. And I, I go back to, to, to my experience, and I, I remember telling uh, scouts, like, because everybody asked, like, do you really want to play quarterback? Is this a deal breaker for you? Is this the line you're drawing in the land? I mean, drawing in the sand. And my whole, th- my whole deal was I want to play in the National Football League. My dream wasn't to be a National Football League quarterback. I, j- I needed to be here and have a career, win a Super Bowl, those types of things. I just wanted to take a couple of snaps. Just see me take a snap. <laughs> and throw. I owe that to myself, right? I was just 10, 15 years too early. I just, I really was. On draft day, listener and prospects, if you're listening, and of course you are, uh, <laughs> remember, cometh the day, cometh 
the call. Some of you will get that call. Some of you will not get that call. It may come a day later. Maybe it comes on the 30th of April. But the fact is, when you get your chance in the NFL, cometh the hour, cometh the man. You better be ready. No matter who calls your name, no matter who gives you that opportunity, seize it. That's your chance. Take it. Next topic, Chase Young. You talked about getting the bag. Well, Chase Young is facing a scenario in transition, the fifth-year option that all rookies that hang on that long face. But the commanders are being cagey about this. Ron Rivera said that Chase Young's health will be the driving factor in whether or not they pick up his fifth-year option, not an insignificant decision made by somebody drafted that high. Michael Robinson, Mm -hmm. put your GM hat on. Would you pay this guy? No. And I like Chase Young. Um, he's a guy that if I seen him in the street, we, we'd hug all of it. I love him. But I think Chase Young, if you had an honest conversation with him, and I respect this dude, would tell you, yeah, bro, I haven't, show, I haven't put enough out there. I mean, his rookie year was amazing, right? Seven and a half sacks, ten tackles for loss, four uh, forced fumbles. He was a guy that was almost unblockable. But even in that rookie year, I could make the argument, you had one move, dog. Like, you had one move. You had no counter move. When somebody stopped that bull rush, you had no counter move. This league is all about growing. And what are you doing the next year? See, the rookie year don't mean nothing if the second year you was hurt the whole time. The third year don't mean nothing if the second year you was hurt the whole time. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's about what have you done for me lately? And you look at that fifth-year option number at $17.5 million. $17.5 million for real in 2024. To me, his play doesn't warrant that number right now. Now, I'm glad with what uh, Coach Rivera said. It's in your court, bro. We won't pay you. We want you to be here. We drafted you. We want you to be the guy. But you got to show up. And uh, you look at last year, at the end of last year, I think the reports were – Medically, he was cleared to play, I think. And I think from a mental standpoint, he has some things to overcome. We talked about leverage a little bit earlier, Omar. Leverage really comes into play here, and it comes into play exactly how Michael Robinson pointed it out. Who has the leverage here? The commanders. Mm -hmm. The team has the leverage. Why? Because you look at their defense. They were the third-ranked total defense in the NFL last year. They were the fourth-ranked defense against the pass. First on third downs. Fourth against big plays. Translation? They didn't necessarily need small end, in quotes. I'm not dismissing Chase Young, mm-hmm. but they kind of didn't need him. The stats bear it out. The commanders have the leverage. What would you do? I wouldn't pay him either. And I would hope that we have a good problem at the end of this there season in that he shows out in 2023. He builds on that rookie year, shows all the promise of a top three, top five pick that he was. And now you say, okay, here you go, young man. You yep. have earned this big paycheck. But until he proves that, especially post-injury, he's only played three games since he came back from injury. We have to see that on a consistent basis before that happens. So I agree with M. Rob. No big bag yet, at least a fifth-year option at this point. Translation, Chase Young, the money is there for you to chase. It's just not going to be given. You're going to have to get it. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. You are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. Andrew Levy with Omar Ruiz and the real Mike Rob, Michael Robinson. Omar, do me a favor. Hit that button right there. Thank you very much. That means we are back on the clock in our countdown to the draft. We are going team by team in the NFL based on their order of finish in 2022. Today, we're in D.C., the nation's capital, for a closer look at the Washington Commanders. My... Washington Commanders. We start with the debutante, as is good manners, Omar Ruiz. When I say Washington Commanders, football in the nation's capital, where does your mind go? Doug Williams. And Williams going deep. Sanders. Williams deep for Sanders again. Makes the catch. Touchdown. I never forget him showing up in the Rose Bowl. First black quarterback to ever play in the Super Bowl, start a game, and the way he lit up the Broncos that day and John Elway and win that Super Bowl, how they... You know, he was such a hero, such a legend, and especially how he's been since then, the ambassador for that, the representative, the the breaking of barriers that he did, and, and just really embodying that, embracing that. I think it's just a special moment, and that's what I think of, especially as a kid growing up in California. So much reverence for the Rose Bowl in that setting for him to do that. It was pretty awesome. Uh, Believe me, I remember it very, very well. Michael Robinson, a Richmond kid. You're from Virginia like me, my fellow Virginian. We were surrounded by Redskins, of course, at the time fans, Washington Commanders fans now. You grew up in an area that was partisan. Did you (laughs) go that way? You certainly were aware of Washington's team. Did you have a favorite player? What was your relationship with them? Well, me growing up, I, I've always liked players over teams. So, yes, like, I was a Barry Sanders fan. Doug, I liked uh, Doug Williams, you know, Walter Payton, those guys. Um, but whenever I thought of the Washington Redskins at the time, Commanders now, um, I thought of Daryl Green. He was the fastest dude. Mm-hmm. It was always, mm-hmm. like, the speed guy. I remember him taking punts back, taking picks back. And I used to be like, dude, dude, so small. He's the fastest guy on the field. You know what I'm saying? Dumps it underneath. Picked off by Darrell Green at the 20. He's out to the 30, the 40. The jet to the 50. Holds his hand in the air. He's gone. Darrell Green's going all the way. Touchdown. Bravo to the Hall of Famer. As you grow and, you know, you 
you know, you got friends that are Commanders fans and they're growing up or whatever, whatever. You start to yeah, – that changed for me liking just the player and some of the players on the team to, I'm not going to lie to you, Drew, like dysfunction. Whatever yeah. I started thinking about them, it was – and it, whatever the case may be, maybe it's the, just the, you know, more recent events or whatever, but you always figured, dang, man, like they always have a great – they're always great at the line of scrimmage. They got pretty good explosive players, you know, they – why aren't they winning more? Why aren't they doing better? Like, to me, they filled some pretty good rosters that I think could have gotten more out of themselves than what they, what they, what they really did. Look, if, I think if we're being honest, there are clearly some systemic questions, potentially issues, well, certainly issues. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, I believe the old saying that attitude reflects leadership. There may be an issue with leadership. You take that however you want, <laughs> listener. But, you know, things often start at the top. That trickle-down theory is real about attitude, about standards, about how we treat each other, about how we treat ourselves. Hopefully the future for the commanders, for my commanders, I'm certainly just saying this as a partisan, is brighter than it has been recently. But let's talk about that future. Last question for you guys. The perfect draft for the Washington commanders means they've done what? They've rebuilt the offensive line. Hey, we're go. talking about throwing back to the 80s, the hogs and all that. Yes, sir. you got to have a good offensive line in the NFL in 2023. You can have any chance. Of course, it's the quarterback. But if you don't protect the quarterback, you don't have a chance of success. I think offensive line. Do you agree we have a new quarterback? Uh, it may be Sam Howell. Maybe it's somebody else. Uh, time will tell on that one. We know it's not going to be Taylor Heineke. We know it's not going to be Carson Wentz. Do you agree with the O-line call? I, oh, I totally agree. The offensive line, I mean, they're, 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 they're pretty good on the defensive line. They're a line of scrimmage type of a team, right? But I will say this. I'd call Baltimore and just say what's up. I would, too. Thank you, you know, for saying that. I'm not that. saying that it's going to happen, but you owe it to yourself. You mm -hmm. can't sit here and tell me that you think you have somebody better than Lamar Jackson in the building. And his abilities cover up for some of the stuff. So pay the man so he can cover up for some of your stink. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's a real quick jog. It's the 295. <laughs> you hit the 495. You go straight down to D.C. You can jog right over there. on the 66. There's many ways to get there, but it's a short 34-mile trip from Baltimore to D.C. Lamar, Lamar, you're your own agent. I hope you're listening. Do something about what Michael Robinson just said. Last question. I wouldn't be surprised if the 2023 Washington Commanders did what? I'm not sure I want to hear the answer to this. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if they get in the playoffs. Oh, I love this. Because mm, really? if they don't go after Lamar Jackson, that means they have something in Sam Howe. That means they believe in him. That means they're going to support him. That means they're going to draft an offensive line to protect mm -hmm. him and run this offense through the run game. And his defense with Deron Payne and those guys can continue to beat up on people. They have just, to be run the right way. Let's I'm go. kind of exhaling, uh, an exhale of satisfaction and almost relief. Omar, <laughs> last word on this goes to you. I wouldn't be surprised if the 2023 Washington Commanders did what? Also finished in last place. Yeah. That they didn't. I think that's fair. I mean, yeah, this, is a, this is a game Sam of Powell is not the nope. answer. They didn't make a move for Lamar Jackson. They didn't add early in the draft. And the offensive woes that they had last year continued. Translation, it was very nice to see you, Michael Robinson. Not so much you, Omar Ruiz. <laughs>
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Okay, I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. What does history say about Washington football? Well, for one thing, it says that if there's another strike-shortened season, look out for my commanders. Look, the Redskins won Super Bowls 17, 22, and 26, but only one of those three Super Bowls came in a year in which the NFL did not have a strike-shortened season, and that was the 92 win in Super Bowl 26. Both the 1982 and 1987 seasons were, in fact, marred by a player strike. Now, my question for you, does that diminish Washington's accomplishment? Does it require an asterisk? Tell you what, I will leave that up to you. But if you were to tell my 11 and 15-year-old selves that my joy should have been more measured, you'd have been wasting your time. The Washington football origin story begins in 1932. They will enter the 2023 season, entering their 92nd season in the NFL. This is a wise old sage. Well, it should be a wise old sage of a franchise. Their overall record, just under 500, 625 wins, 630 losses, 29 ties. Playoff record, above 500 there, 23 playoff wins, 20 playoff losses, five appearances in the big game, five Super Bowl runs, three Super Bowl wins, and two NFL championships back in the day, 1937 and 1942. Winning as coach, who else? Joe Gibbs, 154 wins, 94 losses. Four retired jersey numbers. Do you know them? Number nine, come on, of course, Sonny Jurgensen. Number 21, Sean Taylor fans, stand up. Number 33, this one's a little bit more of a deep dive, but if you're a Washington fan and a football historian, you certainly know the name Sammy Ball. And number 49, Bobby Mitchell. There are 32, no fewer than 32 Pro Football Hall of Famers who have Washington on their resume, including Sammy Ball, Daryl Green, 
who Mike mentioned before, Art Monk, Chris Hanberger, and of course, the legendary Joe Gibbs. So that's what they were. But what are they now? Well, truth be told, it's hard to say, really. I think most of us who fly the burgundy and gold flag know that last year, 2022, may not inform this year as well as it might do for other teams, certainly not on offense, certainly not with a new quarterback assured of starting the season as Washington's QB1. But this is a defense to respect, to fear, and yes, to win with. It's picked up by Casey Tuhill in the end zone. It's a defensive touchdown to end the game. An exclamation point to end an undefeated season of the Eagles. The third ranked total defense in the NFL last year. You heard me say that before. It bears repeating. The seventh ranked scoring defense. They were 11th against the rush, fourth against the pass, and again, first on third downs. They were 12th in the league at forcing sacks. 26th in the league at forcing turnovers. I think that will be a focus of intention, if not in the draft, certainly with Jack Del Rio's defensive scheme. Eighth in the red zone, fourth against the big play, 11th in yards per play. Those are all very, very good, with the exception of turnovers, defensive numbers. Now, on the other side of the ball, quite a different story. The 20th ranked total offense, the 24th ranked scoring offense. Snap to hell, here comes his first pass. Steps back over the middle. Fights Terry McLaurin to the 10. Five, touchdown! Touchdown, Washington! Sam Howell's first career pass is a 16-yard touchdown to Terry McLaurin! They were 12th in the league, a top half unit on the ground with the rushing game. 21st, however, through the air. 25th on third downs. They were 26th at taking sacks, not good. They've got him again. Sacked at the 35-yard line. That is their ninth sack of Carson Wentz. 17th at turning the ball over, so middle of the pack there. They could be a little bit more stingy with the ball. 25th in the red zone. They didn't make it count. They were 21st in big plays, and in yards per play, they were the 28th-ranked team in the NFL. Here's who's out the door. Carson Wentz, Bobby McCain, J.D. McKissick, Cole Holcomb, Wes Schweitzer, and Cam Sims. They re-signed, thankfully, Deron Payne, Obata, Larson, and Johnson. Now, guys coming in, center Nick Gates from the Giants, Andrew Wiley from KC, the tackle, Cameron Danzler from Minnesota, the cornerback, linebacker Cody Barton from Seattle, and quarterback Jacoby Brissett out of Cleveland. Very important piece there for some depth and some veteran leadership in that quarterback's room. In terms of team needs, NFL.com says cornerback, offensive line, and tight end. And they have a few draft picks with which to address those needs. They pick 16th in the first round. They have a second round pick, a third round pick, one in the fourth, one in the fifth, two in the sixth, and one in the seventh. You heard Michael Robinson say they could make the playoffs. You heard Omar Ruiz say they could finish dead last in that NFC East. I'm happy with the one. I'm disappointed in the other, but I wouldn't be surprised if either is true myself. This is a team that is hard to predict. What is not hard to predict is the devotion of Washington fans, womb to the tomb fans like myself. Let's invite some of them in and throw open the doors right now to the NFL Hall of Fans. Cue the music. Ah, come on in. Yes, my brethren, come on in. Fans like Lindsey Bethel, whose favorite ever player 
the one and only Sean Taylor, she says, because he defined the safety position and was taken from this world, this life, and this game far too soon. Twin under pressure. Oh. Cut from behind by Sean Taylor. <laughs> Man, did he come fast. Wow. RIP number 21, she says. Her best memory as a Washington fan, anytime we beat the Cowboys. Here, here. I can co-sign that. Worst memory as a Washington fan, the 2013 wildcard game against Seattle. Lindsay says, I literally wanted to cut my own leg off and throw it at the TV. Extreme, but I get it. I totally get it. Why is Lindsay Bethel a Washington fan? Because she was born and raised in D.C., she says. And I have never, nor will I ever be disloyal to the city that made me fall in love with sports. I love that about her. We celebrated together the Capitals' Stanley Cup victory, and we are more than ready to celebrate Wizards' victories and, yes, Commanders' victories as soon as they come. Lindsay says it'll be the perfect draft if we dot, 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 question mark, Lamar. She's not worried about the draft. She's worried about using draft capital to get number eight from up the road in Baltimore. Finally, Lindsay says, I wouldn't be surprised if my commanders beat the only undefeated team yet again this season. Don't forget, we did that to the Eagles last year. They were the last of the unbeatens until they faced the hard-to-predict Washington commanders. Lindsay Bethel. Well played. Fans like Cap Chan Smith, who grew up, full disclosure, a Bills fan. But the reason why she was a Bills fan is because her brother was a Bills fan. So she watched the Bills. She watched Bills games with her brother. Her parents, full disclosure, had wished that she would be a little bit more feminine and not quite so interested in football. Well, the joke's on them a little bit because she works here at NFL Media and she is immersed in football. It's her life, and man, she is good at it. But she became a Washington fan because her brother said, look, you can't ride my coattails. Don't just latch on to the team that I love. Find your own team to love. Kat found herself in Washington, D.C. doing an internship, and it was there and then that her love for Washington football began, flourished, and continues to this day. She says her favorite ever player, number 28, Daryl Green, fastest man on the planet. He was so good going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Michael Irvin. He literally ran down Eric Dickerson. And he was, she mentions, one of the kindest people that you could ever meet. When I was interning with the then Redskins, Cat Chan Smith tells us, Daryl Green invited all the interns to a party he was having for his charity. It was on a boat like a dinner cruise, one of the highlights of our summer internship. She says she has an actual photograph of it in a box. But Daryl Green made a point to come around and say hello to each and every one of us that evening. She'll never forget that. She's been rooting for him ever since. Her favorite memory? It's a negative one, she points out, but she wants to share it anyway. Way, way back in the day, Michael Westbrook and Stephen Davis got into a fight during training camp. And there she was to watch it happen. Very interesting. But she says, let's keep it positive. I would say that my favorite memory, when I was on the sideline producing Thursday night football and Washington hosted Chicago at FedEx Field. We got the win, she remembers, and it was the first time she ever stepped foot on FedEx Field. That is a memory she'll take with her forever. It'll be the perfect draft for Kat Chan Smith if, well, she says, oof, we have a lot of draft needs. Seeing that we have the 17th pick, we're not going to get an immediately NFL-ready quarterback, so maybe some support for Sam Howell, either a tight end, since there's a lot of them, 
good ones in this year's draft. Maybe a running back. On the flip side, a lot of hype about Joey Porter Jr. She likes him a lot, exclamation point. And finally, Cat Chan Smith says, I wouldn't be surprised if our commander, shouty caps on our, absolutely right, Cat, make the playoffs this season. I like where your head's at, Cat Chan Smith. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And fans like yours truly, me. I was born in Alexandria, Virginia, spitting distance from Washington, D.C., grew up down the Beltway in Annadale, Virginia, attended Langley High School. Yes, that Langley, as in CIA Langley, a mile or so down Georgetown Pike from the entrance of the Central Intelligence Agency, where my Uncle Bob worked for 30 years. My family went to church at a Catholic parish called Holy Trinity in Georgetown, where congressional and senatorial and, yes, Supreme Court sightings weren't uncommon, but nothing ever compared to the Patrick Ewing and Alonzo Mourning sighting one morning after 9.30 Mass. Our Sundays I share with you because they were routine, especially during the NFL season. The drive to church with classical music playing on the car radio. The drive home with Sonny, Sam, and Frank. Sonny Jurgensen, Sam Huff, and Frank Herzog. The legendary trio of Washington football announcers whose ability to impart how they felt about what they're watching tuned my nerves to an ever-varying pitch between relief and anguish, never quite exhaling till the final whistle. Now, usually it was first half in the car, second half in the living room. At halftime or post-game, my brother John and I would be in the front yard with a Nerf football. Me, the wannabe Art Monk, which came in handy because John was always the better passer of the football. Marcus Theismann fires it near side. Monk, bye-bye! Touchdown, Washington Redskins! I remember radio games much more so than the ones on TV, Redskins and Orioles games for that matter. I fell in love with a game that I only visualized, and then I paired those images later on with the real fields, the real stadiums, and the real players later on. Stadiums? There can only be one for me. RFK. What was the sellout crowd number for RFK? 55,107. I'll never forget that number. I didn't have to look it up. I certainly remember the sound that came from RFK on those always packed Sunday afternoons, coming from those seismically challenged heaps of concrete and metal built on swampland. To me, it was a cathedral. And yet, it was a cathedral I only worshipped in one time. The Levy family didn't go to games. We didn't have that kind of cash. We listened to them and we watched them. My father was an anxious wreck during the close encounters. My mom was known to curse or even cry. My favorite players were named Riggins and Green and Monk. Joe Jacoby taught me to love the big uglies. Those hogs taught me to love the running game. Joe Theismann's shouts of yellow 30 ring in my ear to this day. I still love the simple beauty of a five yard run. Washington taught me that. The elegant nonchalance of a John Riggins touchdown celebration, that casual flip to the referee. Was there ever a man who was better at acting like he'd been there before than John Riggins? Don't spend too much time thinking about it. The answer is no. Joe Gibbs taught me to think of NFL football as a game to be studied. In his hands, it struck me as an endeavor that rose to a plane fit for sophisticates. And yet, his rarely revealed ferocity reminded me of my old man, my father. Never one to over-celebrate, but never immune to the joys of victory either. The pride of a perfectly executed plan. And we saw a lot of those 
from Joe Gibbs back in those days. My favorite memory as a Washington fan, the first Super Bowl win, 1982 season, January 1983 game. Who could forget that John Riggins run to the left, that broken tackle, that shirt pulled in desperation. It was a moment of breakthrough for an entire city and an entire fan base. Riggins, he's going to go all the way unless Blackwood can catch him and he can't. And even then, after 43 rumbling yards, the diesel, he flipped it, he didn't spike it, tossed it away as if to say, don't need that anymore. Final score, 27-17. I remember the acid anguish of that Super Bowl loss to the Raiders, 38-9. I'll never forget that score. I'll never forget Marcus Allen turning circles around his own O-line before just making us look pedestrian. And maybe we were. Rocket giving to Allen, sending him wide left. He has to reverse his field, but he, and he gets away for a moment. We were favored to win that game. We were devastated to lose it. I remember Doug Williams, how much he felt like perfect casting, central casting, A1 choice, a black man representing a black city. On his day, on that day, in that Super Bowl that Omar Ruiz mentioned earlier, pure perfection. Doug Williams, he is having a dream day for a quarterback. He's had a dream year. Talk about your moment in the sun. More than anything for me, and I think it's probably the same for a lot of you listeners, my relationship with my NFL team, my Washington commanders, it's about memory. It's about family. It's about the place that I came from, the place that I rarely visit anymore, and yet a place that will never leave my bloodstream, will never leave my thoughts. And my memories of Washington, D.C. and Northern Virginia are inextricably linked with my memories of Washington football. I'm so grateful for it. And I know you are for your connection to your NFL team. I want to thank today's very special guests, Michael Robinson, the real Mike Robb, and Omar Ruiz, the big O. So glad that they could be here to join us today. Of course, I want to thank my Washington commanders, brethren. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers. We, well, we may be in for a long season. But you know what? There is hope. And we heard a little bit of that hope come out in the story shared today. I want to invite the listener to join us tomorrow when our countdown to the draft hits Green Bay, Wisconsin. When we take a closer look at the Green Bay Packers, what were they in 2022? What will they be in 2023? Who will they be in 2023? This deal with the Jets for Aaron Rodgers is not done yet. So do we really know? We have questions. We have answers. That's tomorrow. Till then, ciao for now. NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.